AM 1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. Welcome in to Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app. There's still time for you to download that KDOS 1060 app. Register. That's a key component and get yourself eligible for a chance at some pretty sweet hoops tickets. The opportunity for that is certainly winding down, but still available to you. It is Friday. It is December 15th. Bob Camp, Caleb Mortolaro here with you up until one o'clock today. Our final show of 2023. Bob Camp in the Sports Zone back on January second and the extra point returning and following suit on january 3rd but that's right i said it it's friday and that means it's friday spread brought to you by von hansen's meats and spirits so we will also have a 100 gift certificate to von hansen's meats and spirits available for you a little bit later on and we've been doing fantastic this season in our weekend plays so if you're new to what it is that we do if you are the winner of the 100 gift certificate to von hansen's Come with your weekend play. I put $5 on it. We're tallying things up and at season's end, donating that money, our winnings to charity. Right now we are 11 and four on the season and we are winners of four in a row. So we're looking to end the year on a high note here with some good plays for the weekend. So we'll do that a little bit later on in the show. Let's set the scene, though, with today's poll questions, and we'll get things started with the KDOS1060.com poll question. It involves the Cardinals and the 49ers on Sunday. So who do you have Sunday in Glendale? Cardinals plus 12.5 or 49ers minus 12.5? Bob always has great conversations with Matt Mayoko of NBC Sports Bay Area to chat 49ers. Podcast it if you missed it, KDOS1060.com. But the mass is firmly on the Cardinals side of things here at 71% of the vote. 49ers sitting at 29%. Yeah, big injury uh, you know, you know, situations uh, for the 49ers this week. You know, Five of their defensive players did not finish the game last week. Actually, you know, one guy didn't even start the game last week, but Matt's not expecting uh, Eric Armstead or Javon Hargrave to both play, uh, to both either of them to play, I should say, uh, this weekend. Uh, those are basically, you know, they move both those guys around a little bit, but in essence, they line up most of tackle than anywhere else. So those would be the two starting defensive tackles and also Traverius Ward, their top corner. He was knocked out in the uh, first series. He suffered a groin injury, actually, in the first series last week against Seattle. In fact, I think it was the very play before uh, you know, Metcalf caught the uh, you know, long touchdown pass against his replacement. Uh, so those are guys to pay attention to this week. The Cardinals coming off the bye week appear to be relatively healthy at this point. So uh, health-wise, it certainly seems like the Cardinals would have an edge as, uh, as far as coming out, you know, once again, coming out of the bye week for them. Uh, you know, once again, uh, 90 minutes before the game, check those uh, inactives, and it's easy to do that these days. You know, whether you have uh, 
the internet or you have text alerts or however you do that. Uh, that all comes out 90 minutes before the game and you know who's at least active and inactive and that's certainly something to pay attention to in this week's game with the Cardinals. That question will officially get answered today around 12.30, so still plenty of time for you to cast your vote. Tossing it on over to Twitter, at uh, KDOS AM 1060, who wins the U of A-Purdue basketball showdown on Saturday at Indianapolis. U of A leading the way at 56.3% of the vote, Purdue 43.8%. Unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, if you have Peacock, you can watch this game. But if you don't have Peacock, you're not going to watch this game, uh, at least live. I'm guessing, uh, I don't know this for sure, but I'm guessing that the uh, the Big Ten Network will have a replay of this game. Uh, you know, it's not necessarily on Saturday, but at some time in the next two or three days after Saturday. Uh, just based on uh, what the, you know, the Peacock had several Big Ten football games this year. And uh, they usually got around, you know, for instance, the Ohio State played a game against Purdue, which was on Peacock on a Saturday. And I remember I watched the replay of that game on a Tuesday. Now, you know already who won the game, needless to say. But, you know, for some people out there, and myself included, uh, that'd be your chance to watch the U of A Purdue basketball game. And U of A number one in the human polls undefeated. Purdue was, uh, is now 9-1. and one. Uh, and they lost it. They lost at Northwestern, which was uh, looked like a you know interesting win, a good win for Northwestern. Northwestern somehow lost to Chicago State this week, and there's I believe it's like 333 or so you know Division One basketball teams, and Chicago State was like rated 330. And uh, Northwestern somehow lost to them earlier this week. But anyway, that's the one Purdue loss so far this season. And Purdue was ranked by some of the polls in uh, number one in the preseason. And remember, they were the number one seed in the NCAA tournament last year and got beat in the first round. Uh, and they got most of those guys back, including Zach Eady, who, of course, is a, a monster 7-5 guy. And you got to figure out how – and he's a skilled player, too. He's just not a big guy on a basketball court he's a very skilled player so they got to figure out how to uh, defend him you know i'm curious as to what the conferences here and even the networks feel about uh this game being a peacock exclusive game because it's number one going up against number two uh potentially some hype here for college hoops in december but it's isolated here on peacock so not certain if that's a little bit of a a bummer or if it's, uh, hey, let's see if this streaming thing is really going to catch on in the way that we want it to, that people want to watch this, so they're going to go find a way to subscribe. I'm just kind of curious how all of that is going to unfold for such a matchup. Well, I know the Arizona Daily Star has already you know, basically told uh, its subscribers that uh, here's how you can watch the game and unsubscribe like 10 minutes after the game. <laughs> so, uh, so there's ways around that apparently. Uh, so you know, check that out on the Arizona Daily Star website. I believe that was out there. And let's see, what was yesterday? Thursday, or uh, maybe Wednesday or Thursday. It was one of the. I talked to somebody about this Thursday, so it was one of the, the previous couple of days. Where if it wasn't yesterday, it was Wednesday. So anyway, there's that. Uh, also, I'm guessing that the networks that aren't carrying the game aren't that upset because there's three NFL games tomorrow. That is also true.
Uh, so, speaking of NFL, we will definitely be di- diving into the slate of action part of Friday Spread, brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. Von Hansen's Not Your Normal Meat Market. Pay them a visit, 2390 North Oma School in Chandler. The weekend specials for Von Hansen's here. Certified Angus Beef Choice Grill Steak at $14.99 a pound. Fresh all-natural pork country-style ribs at $3.99 a pound. And 8-ounce boneless chicken skewers, butcher's blend, or rosemary garlic at two for twelve dollars plus if you're uh trying to figure out what you want to make for your holiday dinners upcoming i'm sure von hansen's meats and spirits has some ideas for you von hansen's meats.net thursday night football here (laughs) we won't spend a lot of time dissecting the game here but some interesting things have since transpired let's start from the raider side of it first uh first of all It's kind of wild to think that just last Sunday, they were part of a 3-0 football game in which they were the team that had zero points. And then they turn around here and explode to the tune, on a short week, mind you, explode to the tune of 63 points, including... 42-0 at half. They win the game 63-21. It's kind of been an interesting ride here with Antonio Pierce being the interim coach. Uh, You had the very first game he coaches. The the locker room goes wild with the win. Celebratory cigars in the locker room. Uh, They beat both of the New York teams, then kind of maybe came back to reality a bit here. Uh, The 3-0 loss, as I mentioned. And now here, this game against a Chargers team that has now since fired their head coach and their general manager. Uh, so that happened today. Yeah, I'm not quite buying the Antonio Pierce is, uh, you know, should be without question the Raiders head coach moving forward after this year. Uh, I'm not buying into that because of one night. I mean, if we had this discussion, as you mentioned last Sunday, they, he went from, you know, village idiot to, you know, like king of the town, even though it is Las Vegas. So he's not going to be the king of the town in Las Vegas. So uh, you know, there's other people that fall into that category, uh, but it's uh, it's amazing what can happen in a brief period of time in the uh, division rivals. And yeah, you know, I luckily did not watch this game, but I was listening on Sirius XM, and Tony Baselli is an excellent commentator, Hall of Fame player, of course, and uh, he pointed out. And uh, I didn't even, in fact, I missed the first quarter. I was you know I was out doing things and got home and it was 21 nothing when I got home and uh it was a really horrendous type of thing terrible performance and he was talking about in the second quarter he was talking about how the Chargers players on defense were not even coming close to running to the football uh so they did not give a full effort after they fell behind maybe they just weren't any good to begin with I think that's probably true but uh yeah Brandon Staley who I've been saying, and I'm not the only one. Uh, yeah, I didn't understand how he came back after his first, you know, dismal season as a head coach, and uh, this was his. You know, didn't make it through his third season as the head coach, but basically, the Chargers have wasted three years of their franchise on Brandon Staley and you know Tom Telesco, who actually thought did some pretty good things in his tenure as a general manager, but you know he's also got to be responsible for the current mess that they're in. 
Well, I know that a lot of people are holding and hanging on to at least this past draft where they drafted Quentin Johnston, which hasn't worked out, and you pass up on uh, a Zay Flowers, who has worked out pretty nicely so far for the Ravens, uh, passed up on a couple of other wide receivers like Jordan Addison, Jaden Reed, uh, Rasheed Rice. So I know that that's kind of some of the uh, thoughts around Tom Telesco as time has gone on. Well, they should have gotten some defensive players in an offensive line. So it did improve their offensive line, in my opinion, as opposed to receivers, which they were already really good at. Uh, when healthy, and obviously Keenan Allen didn't play last night, but he's one of the best receivers in the league. Uh, unfortunately, Williams has never really been able to stay healthy. I remember he, you know, he said hey, he had a severe neck injury at Clemson in his college days, and there was even talk that you know, some of the teams before that draft uh, red flagged him medically, and then he's had, you know, look, fortunately, I don't remember any neck issues with him in the NFL, but he's had all kinds of other injuries, including a horrible knee injury very early this season. Quentin Johnson has been not good so far this year, and I didn't think that he was the greatest receiver last year. He was tremendous at TCU, uh, but mainly yards after the catch when he caught the ball which wasn't all the time, and he's had problems catching the ball this year. But, you know, it was clear to me at the end of last year that they needed to get some defensive players and offensive line reinforcements, and they really didn't do a whole lot on either side of the – to really help either side of the ball as far as that goes. So all these different coaching vacancies from this team – uh, or this game last night got me thinking about the coaching vacancies we know about and maybe some that we can speculate might be open at season's end. And a lot of things always stem from the fact of what situation are you walking into where you have a good quarterback situation what situation is good for you uh to be able to kind of hit the ground running and so you know we did touch a little bit there on Antonio Pierce trying to make the case to get rid of the interim tag for himself uh but what do you make of this Raiders situation if somebody is coming in to coach the team next year and has Aiden O'Connell done enough to say he's uh he's the guy to start next year no chance. Uh, yeah, he's, I don't care what happened last night. He looked like an amateur quarterback uh, for the majority of his uh, NFL time before last night. Uh, so they need to get a general manager at first up. Um, you know, that's another area that they have to replace. You know, they fired the general manager and the head coach earlier this year. Uh, so that needs to be the first thing. They have a bad roster, and they're still – uh, you know, suffering from the John Gruden, uh, who I know he wasn't officially the general manager, but they didn't do anything in that building without him knowing about it. And he clearly was responsible for personnel moves. At least uh, yeah, maybe he didn't exactly. I think he was suggested personnel moves, and it was either him saying yay or nay as to whether they made them. They made some horrendous draft picks. Uh, for two, three years running for the most part. Some of their top picks, a couple of guys aren't even in the NFL. In a very short period of time, they were out of the NFL. They need to restock the roster. They need to completely start over. They've only got a they, – they have one of the worst rosters in the NFL, which I've been kind of saying for a couple of years now. Uh, they fooled me like three years ago when they had that second half run and made the playoffs and – Really, could have, they should have beaten the Bengals in the first game of the playoffs that year when Bengals went to the Super Bowl. 
Uh, but since then, everything has just gone completely downhill, including the Gruden departure, and that's going to be a litigation apparently till the end of time. Yeah, that not really finding a resolution quickly at all. Uh, we do, no. <laughs> we do know that the Panthers are going to be in need of a new head coach here. Frank Reich let go earlier in the season. Uh, you should sort of kind of feel good about having a, a rookie quarterback and you get the opportunity to to mold him. But what we've seen from Bryce Young so far uh, makes you kind of question that you uh, have kind of mortgaged the farm here and he's not catching on. So I don't know how people will view this particular opportunity. Uh, great. Uh, in fact, uh, two Mondays ago, Adam Schefter, uh, this is two weeks ago now on Monday, um, he said that there could be as many t as 10 head coaching openings by the end of the season. Uh, so, you know, do the math. You know, there's 32 teams. Uh, so there could be a whole lot of change, and it's kind of hard to dispute that. I mean, there's a bunch of teams that are just kind of running in mud. I don't ever remember, and I've thought this over, and I'm not just, you know, making some kind of crazy comment here. Maybe it is crazy, but I have thought it over at least ahead of time. Uh, I don't think there's ever been, at least in the last, you know, 15 years or this century, more bad NFL teams than there are right now. I don't disagree with you there. Um, so if you believe the reports from Tom Curran of NBC Sports Boston, Belichick and the Patriots would be parting ways at season's end. And I think we can establish now Mac Jones is not a franchise quarterback. They've benched him. They've gone with Bailey Zappi here. But I guess the caveat to that particular situation is that they're vying for a great draft selection. And so maybe you find your quarterback of the future uh, in the draft. Well, New England needs somebody else to be picking their next quarterback because their choice of the last quarterback was a disaster. And I never understood why anybody really thought that Mac Jones was a first-round draft pick. You know, he was first in all the mock drafts or whatever. Uh, I'm stunned that all the experts and NBA, NBA, NFL evaluators and general managers and whoever – uh, just based on the Mac Jones college career, thought he was an NFL quarterback. He had an incredible arsenal of receivers. He had an offense. He had an offensive line that I think all those guys are in the NFL right now. He had running backs that were really good. A couple of those guys haven't panned out in the NFL, but Josh Jacobs has panned out. He was part of that. Uh, he had an incredible amount of talent around him. And, you know, he basically just got rid of the ball and everybody else did the work for him. And uh, he somehow became a first-round draft pick. And, yeah, I know people seem to think he had a good uh, rookie season, but I have statistically pointed out for three years now that if you take a look at the month of December in his rookie season, he sucked by the end of that year. And it just gotten progressively worse. For the Chargers, uh, Brandon Staley out, though. You have Justin Herbert. He did have season-ending finger surgery here. But of the, the teams that we have listed so far, that's the best situation quarterback-wise that you could potentially be stepping into. Uh, nothing is official, but it's incredibly likely Ron Rivera is out at Washington. Maybe you found your guy in Sam Howell there. Uh, then you have questions surrounding Tampa Bay, the Atlanta Falcons, the Chicago Bears, and maybe even the New Orleans saints well i'll flip this the other way i think there's a chance that you know maybe i'm leaving I'm forgetting a division here i think the nfc west right now unless Pete carroll retires is the only division that has four coaches that i'm relatively confident will return next season 
The only division in the league. That's an incredible point because now that I'm thinking about, yeah, the, uh, I mean, maybe the AFC North, but depending upon how, I guess, uh, the Steelers finish up. That would be correct. So, yeah, I, I think NFC West is is the uh, only one with extreme confidence. The bottle of stability, the NFC West. <laughs> uh, words I don't think anyone has ever said previously. Not recently. I mean, the division was really good four or five years ago, but it's not uh, been very solid since then. At least uh, since Steve Wilkes took over the Cardinals, the division has been an instability uh, festival. Uh, but you know, the Cardinals are obviously going to, you know, Gannon's done a, a good enough job. He's not going anywhere anytime soon. Uh, you know, take a look. You know, McVay's done a really good job with the Rams this year. Shanahan, Pete Carroll. You know, he's 105, but he looks like he's like 45 the way he runs around the sidelines. More extra point is next. Listen to rewards for you with the KDUS 1060 app. Download today to hear all of the national and local shows you love. That's the KDUS 1060 app. Welcome back to the Extra Point here on this Friday, December 15th. Final show for Bob Kemp and I of 2023. The Sports Zone coming back with you January 2nd. Extra Point following suit on January 3rd. But it's Friday, and that means it's a Friday spread brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits, located 2390 North Alma School Road in Chandler. Pay them a visit, see how they can help with all of your holiday food needs. We're just briefly going to go through a few college bowl games that caught my attention that are for tomorrow and then a little bit more on the Alabama Michigan Rose Bowl and the Texas Washington Sugar Bowl so we'll do that here briefly before we dive into the NFL slate of action for more Friday spread but as it is uh, Jacksonville State minus two and a half Louisiana Lafayette plus two and a half over under 58 and a half it is the Rich Rod. That's correct. That's where I'm going with this because uh, I yeah. felt like there was something that we should talk about here because it's been kind of impressive for him uh, yes. with Jacksonville State. It's the New Orleans Bowl Saturday, 12:15 p.m. And this is also Jacksonville State making its FBS Bowl debut. In addition to how good Rich Rod has been here with Jacksonville State at the helm, it was an 8-4 and four season for them. Uh, their offense scores 29.8 points per game and 397.8 yards per game, but Rich Rod seems to have found a home here with Jacksonville State. In Jacksonville State is in Alabama, by Correct. the way. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I don't think anybody – uh, really understands college football has ever questioned Rod, Rich Rod as an offensive coach. I mean, he he can you know draw up some plays. Kind of reminds me of Spurrier back in the day. Uh, you know, he he's really he's an excellent coach. Uh, you know, there's other other stuff you got to put up with, <laughs> but uh, yeah, he can coach some offense for sure. And he's usually had a really good coaching staff around him too, whether it be West Virginia or the U of A. I'm not exactly sure what his uh, you know, coaching staff is now at Jacksonville State, but I'm really not that surprised that he's having success. And uh, you know, the fact that they made a bowl game in a very short, I believe it's his second year there, uh, that they uh, have done this is uh, really an impressive feat by Rich Rod and everybody involved in that program. 
Absolutely. Next game I wanted to touch on for tomorrow, New Mexico State and Fresno State. New Mexico State minus 3.5, Fresno State plus 3.5, over-under sitting at 51.5. This is the Isleta New Mexico Bowl, 3.45 p.m. on Saturday. But... Jerry kills Aggies here. They went 10 and four this season. It's the first time that they've won more than eight games since 1965. New Mexico State also went to just one bowl game between 1961 and 2021. They have now been to two straight bowl games here. They also have the chance for their first ever 11 win season. Fresno State, though, they won't have their head coach, Jeff Tedford. Yeah, oh, I didn't know that. Um, you know, is he okay? I didn't know. I think I it was health was reasons going. that he stepped away. Okay. Uh, the, the Aaron Rodgers coach at Cal back in the day. Uh, this is a big step down for Fresno. This has got to be, I'm uh, sure, you know, for New Mexico State, you mentioned the bowl thing. And, you know, it's a good reason for, you know, those poor idiots that live in Las Cruces to get out of town and go to Albuquerque for a few days. So pretty impressive stuff, though, for Jerry Kill with his time in New Mexico State. The other bowl game that I wanted to touch on here, UCLA in Boise State in the uh, Starco Brands LA Bowl. That's Saturday at 5.30 p.m. UCLA minus 4.5, Boise State plus 4.5, over-under sitting at 48.5. Uh, It's hard to imagine, though, that Boise State is even in this position here after they fired their head coach, Andy Avalos, in the middle of the season here. They will not have their quarterback, though, as their quarterback, Taylon Green, has already committed to go play for Arkansas. So this is just the beginning of all of this happening for these bowl games. UCLA's defensive coordinator, they don't have him anymore. DeAnton Lynn has actually gone across the way to be USC's defensive coordinator, and then they're not going to have their stud uh, defensive player of the year in the Pac-12, Leatu Latu, not playing for UCLA, unsurprisingly. Yes, there's a bunch of dudes that aren't playing for UCLA. Yeah, the quarterback from Boise, Actually, wasn't their starting quarterback for a while. He got, like, benched, and then they got the interim coach in there, and they put him in there, and he helped them to get to the bowl game, and almost they almost won the Mountain West Conference, and now he, he's gone. So welcome to the bowl season for them. And, uh, yeah, Boise obviously has a you know, rich bowl history, including here. Uh, but, uh, you know, not exactly, uh, I'm guessing that, uh, that was not exactly their goal at the start of the year is let's go play a bowl game in LA, even though a lot of those, I know maybe this is different now. A lot of the Boise players were from when, when Peterson was there, a lot of those guys were Southern California kids. So I don't know how much they still recruit that area. Uh, we, had more extensive conversation yesterday as part of our poll questions for the Rose Bowl and for the Sugar Bowl, but briefly going to touch on it once again here as part of Friday spread. The Rose Bowl, January 1st, 3 p.m., featuring Alabama and Michigan. Alabama plus one and a half, Michigan minus one and a half, over under sitting at 45 and a half. Uh, can we fairly confidently say here that the win in the SEC title game was Alabama's most complete game to date? So if you're thinking that they've really started to figure some things out here, uh, not sure how much of a layoff impacts that or if they just kind of keep rolling because they're starting to click on both sides of the ball. 
For Michigan, Blake Corum led all running backs with 24 touchdowns this season. So can Michigan continue to pound the rock with Corum, but then also be able to pass protect for J.J. McCarthy to make a few plays? Well, and Zach Zinter, by far their best offensive lineman, is obviously out. Uh, hopefully he'll be ready to play for the NFL by next year. He suffered a horrible, gruesome injury in the uh, third quarter of the game against Ohio State uh, last month. And also, I, we don't know if Will Johnson, who's their best corner, and I mentioned yesterday, in fact, even though he's not eligible to enter the NFL draft for next year, but if he were, I actually think he's the best cornerback in college football this season. And if you took all the cornerbacks and just made him eligible for the NFL draft immediately, I think he'd be the first cornerback taken. We don't know if he's playing. I'm on Alabama in this game. I haven't quite figured out how I'm going to approach this. Um, but I'm going to be definitely on Alabama. I'll definitely have some kind of cash on Alabama in this game on uh, on January 1st, unless there's something odd that happens on the you know, their Alabama roster between now and then. And, you know, it's a... Uh, yeah, you would think hopefully that's not going to happen. The other thing that I mentioned ahead of the SEC game, but I didn't mention it yesterday here, is how Alabama has not been afraid to air it out this season on offense. And so, you know, Michigan has the the defense that they do, but with continued pressure downfield, does that maybe start to have a little chink in the armor in that defense? Well, Johnson's absence is a really big deal here, but uh, – you know, they, Michigan has – it's really difficult to figure out how they're going to match up here, you know, even though they did reasonably well against Ohio State. And the, Ohio State has the best pass offense that Michigan's faced by far. Uh, but, you know, when Johnson went down in the third quarter of that game against Michigan, that's when Harrison broke loose and made some plays in the, in the late third quarter, early fourth quarter of that game when Ohio State made a run at Michigan in Ann Arbor. Uh, but you know, they have not faced a team that is uh, has as many. You know, they have Alabama's offensive line, one of the most improved units in college football this year. The Ohio State offensive line is one of the worst units in college football this year, in my opinion. I should rephrase that. One of the worst offensive lines Ohio State has had. I think it's the worst offensive line Ohio State has had since 1989. And I, you know, I've had lots of time to think about this. I'd like. 13 games to think that over 12 games i guess it is uh so you know that they've not faced an offense like this in big 10 play that has this much of an off offensive arsenal either on the line or skill players Flipping this to the Sugar Bowl, January 1st, 6.45 p.m., Texas minus 4.5, Washington plus 4.5, over-under sitting at 64.5. Michael Penix Jr. has played five games this season against ranked opponents. He's thrown for at least 300 yards three times in those games, and if you just isolate his fourth quarters in those contests, he's completing passes to a 69% clip, two touchdowns, no picks, and just one sack. You also have the dynamic wide receiver, of Rome Odunze. Uh, he just continues to step up in critical moments. He's done it time and again, and he absolutely did it. That was a great play call, though, too, uh, in that Oregon game. Then the question here for Texas's side of the ball, will they be able to just kind of feed the ground game and wear down UW? Definitely some injuries to check out here. We assume that Penix is healthy. I mean, clearly something was wrong with him in the second half of the season, or at least in the last month of the regular season. 
Uh, they've done a really good job of you know, kind of deflecting attention away from that, or you know, colleges can get away with this more than the NFL, obviously, when at least the NFL has to do an injury report every day during the week. So something going on there. You mentioned Odunze. Turns out he was actually injured against the U of A, and that game, if I remember correctly, was in October. And, uh, yeah, he made it through the season. You would think that, you know, with a month off roughly, that both of those guys will be, you know, closer to 100% by the bowl game. You know, on the other side of things, as far as, uh, you know, Texas goes, Xavier Worthy, their best wide receiver, has left the game. He's left games the last three three games, including the, uh, the, uh, the Big 12 Conference Championship game, with a couple of different injuries. But he's left the last three games with injury. And the last time we saw him was in the Big 12 championship game. At the end of the game, he was on the sidelines in a walking boot. So that's another thing to check there. Uh, I'll be, you know, I mentioned yesterday I'll take Washington plus the points, but I actually think Texas wins the game. They have a home crowd advantage in New Orleans. There are going to be many, many people going from Austin to New Orleans for this game. Uh, But uh, these are two, at least going into these games, the college football playoff, the two best semifinal games, at least going into these games, that we've, I think, seen in a long time. Friday spread brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits continues on the other side of the break. We'll dive into the world of the NFL. One thing I forgot to mention at the top of the show, our Pro Football Network uh, NFL props segment continues today at 12.15. Brian Lewis, unfortunately unable to join us. Kyle uh, Soppy instead. So we will have Kyle for NFL prop discussion at 12.15 today. I'll turn those picks into gold. Wall-to-wall NFL coverage and the biggest stories coming to you from 3 to 5 p.m. The Rich Eisen Show here on KDUS AM 1060 and KDUS1060.com. here on this Friday, December 15th edition of The Extra Point. Bob Camp, Caleb Mortolaro here with you. Friday spread brought to you by Vaughn Hansen's Meats and Spirits, 2390 North Alma School Road in Chandler, VaughnHansen'sMeats.net. The weekend specials for Vaughn Hansen's certified Angus beef choice grill steak at $14.99 a pound, fresh all-natural pork country-style ribs at $3.99 a pound, and eight-ounce boneless chicken skewers, butcher's blend, or rosemary garlic at two for $12. Those are the weekend specials. Pay them a visit. We still have the $100 gift certificate available to you a little bit later on in the show. Let's dive into, though, the NFL slate of action here, and we'll start with the Saturday game with the Vikings and the Bengals. Uh, it is Vikings plus three, Bengals minus three, over-under sitting at 40 and a half right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Joe Mixon getting involved in the run game of late. He did have 79 yards last week, 68 the week before. You also have the emergence of Chase Brown as well. Question here, is Jake Browning the real deal at quarterback? The Vikings certainly like to blitz a lot, and Browning has been good against the blitz. 13 of 21, 61.9% completion percentage for 201 yards, three touchdowns, and no picks when facing the blitz in his couple of starts for the Bengals. Nick Mullins is set to start for the Vikings, and uh, I just feel bad for Josh Dobbs here because uh, Jaron Hall sliding into the backup role and Josh Dobbs now relegated to being the emergency quarterback. 
I don't really feel that bad for Josh Dobbs. I'm sorry. He seems to be a nice guy, but he was awful the last two games. And, uh, you know, he's not part of their future, obviously. So why not? Uh, so I think that that's uh, they're doing the right thing here. They're still in the playoff race. And clearly Mullins gives them a much better chance to win right now than Josh Dobbs. Uh, you know, unfortunately, I think a lot of almost everybody would get a better chance than Josh Dobbs. Kind of what happened here. I mean, a couple of really good games with the Cardinals and then just fell off a cliff and was out of here. And now he's, you know, I assume if it were like the middle of the regular season, I think he'd probably be out of Minnesota right now, too. As far as the Vikings go, uh, you know, Justin Jefferson says he's going to play, but they listed him as questionable. The team did yesterday for this game on Saturday. They are without Alexander Madison in this game, however, and this could be a big deal. He's their leading rusher. He's not been that good running the ball, but he's a good pass receiver, and he's also a really good pass blocker. And that's, uh, you mentioned the Vikings blitz a lot. Uh, The Bengals don't blitz with the same frequency, but they are very effective. They have been for two or three years running now when they do blitz. Uh, also, the Vikings are currently the sixth seed in the NFC side of things for the playoffs, so they're trying to hang on to that positioning. These Steelers and the Bengals have got a shot here, by the way. I mean, yeah, they've won these last two games, and they're they're right in the playoffs race in the AFC again. These Steelers and the Colts. Uh, the Steelers plus one and a half. Colts minus one and a half. Over under sitting at forty two and a half. Uh, the latest on T.J. Watt. He has cleared concussion protocol, so he has set the play in this contest. It's going to be another Mitch Trubisky start for the Steelers. Will he look any better uh, for the Colts? Can Zach Moss get on track in the ground game against this Steelers run defense? And you talked about how the Bengals have a shot in the playoffs. Currently, the Steelers are the sixth seed. The Colts are the seventh seed. So both of these teams in this game specifically as well uh, has big playoff picture implications. True. Uh, this is the first of three out of four on the road for the end of the season for Pittsburgh. You mentioned Trubisky. He was bad last week. Yeah, Kenny Pickett was pretty much bad for almost two seasons. There's actually talk that if Trubisky starts slowing this game, then Mason Rudolph could be playing. Uh, you mentioned Watts out, but Alex Highsmith is, I mean, Watts playing, excuse me. Alex Highsmith is still in concussion protocol. And, uh, you know, they play games tomorrow, so I don't know if he's going to be making out of that uh, concussion protocol by then. As far as the Colts, yeah, Minshew gets some good and some bad pretty much every game. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, remember when he went back out the second time this year with the thumb injury? They thought he could be back in a couple of games. Well, this is game three, and he's out. He's not playing this week either. Zach Moss, who was really good early in the season when Taylor was out, he has done he's done horribly. The offensive line's also had some injuries here the last couple of weeks too. But uh, Moss has been really ineffective the last two games, so we'll see what happens with that. I also think that the uh, the, uh, the the Colts defensive front should have an advantage here in this game against the Steelers offensive line, which is still not good. Uh, and also with Trubisky out there, who knows? But uh, yeah, so it's, it, this is a game I want to know part of as far as wagering on, but. Uh, We'll watch, and uh, I'm actually hoping the Colts win, quite frankly, because I'd rather watch. If I had to watch one of these T teams in the postseason right now, I'd rather watch the Colts than the Steelers. I'm tired of it. I'm done with I would prefer not to watch the Steelers again. 
the Broncos and the Lions. Broncos plus four and a half. Lions minus four and a half. Over under sitting at 47 and a half. The Lions here. The question is, do they get back on track? And do they get back on track being at home? Because the Lions defense has given up 38, 26, 29, 28, 28 in their last five games. The Broncos, meanwhile, are playing their third straight road game. This is interesting. Despite this success that the Broncos have been having winning games, the Broncos defense is allowing opponents to rush for five or more yards 40.6% of the time since week seven. However, they're not being able to run the ball as much because the Broncos have been ahead in those games, uh, the majority of those. So, you know, those numbers are a little phony, I think, because, uh, you know, it's not, uh, you know, the situation where the other team's just banging the ball up the middle between the tackles and, you know, running down the clock and so forth. So, you know, I think you have to you know, put some, some of those stats in perspective of what the actual you know, game flow is at that point. Uh, Vance Joseph's done a really good job turning this defense around. Their pressure rate has been unbelievable since week five, second best in the NFL. Uh, you know, former Cardinal Zach Allen is having a tremendous season this year for Denver. It's part of that pass rush, among other things. Cortland Sutton has been like a touchdown machine. In fact, he's only you know the only guy that he's caught uh, the only guy that's caught more touchdowns in the NFL this year than Cortland Sutton is Tyreek Hill. Uh, this is also the uh, Dan Campbell Sean Payton reunion. Uh, Campbell played for Payton. He coached for Payton in New Orleans. Uh, so they're going against each other here. Uh, the Jared Goff turnover thing. It's eight in the last four games now. The good news, I think, the best news for the Lions is that Taylor Decker, their left tackle, who's a very good player, and Frank Ragnow, who is one of the, I think the best one of the best players in the NFL, regardless of position, they have both practiced at least some this week, and it uh, looks like they might play. You mentioned the uh, defensive decline for Detroit. Also, their pass rush has just vanished. I mean, there's almost no pass rush anymore. Yeah, the pass rush, I think, is really critical because there has been some injuries there to that secondary. And, uh, you know, kind of wonder maybe does Cortland Sutton find himself having a big gay? You would think so, especially with the pass rush just gone. And uh, that's not an injury thing necessarily. It's the same guys for the most part. And they've just been far less effective for a handful of games. Plus the Dan Campbell going for it on third, uh, fourth down thing. That has backfired badly in three of the last four games. We'll get into the Sunday slate of action as part of Friday Spread, brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits right here on KDOS AM 1060 in the Extra Points. Wrapping up hour number one next. Bringing you the latest sports topics weekly right here on KDUS. AM 1060 with me, the Doug Gottlieb Show, 1 to 3 p.m. Final segment of hour number one of the Extra Point on this Friday, December 15th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you up until 1 o'clock today. We'll make room for Kyle Soppy from Pro Football Network to dive into the NFL prop bet world. We'll do that with him around 1215 Let's get back to the NFL slate of action as part of Friday Spread, brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits, vonhansensmeats.net. 
The Buccaneers and the Green Bay Packers. The Buccaneers plus three and a half. Packers minus three and a half over under sitting at 42 and a half. Did the Packers take a step backward after all the goodwill that they had built up? Or is it Jordan Love who maybe took a little bit of a step backward against uh, the Giants in the previous week? I think there's also another question here on the defensive side of the ball. Is Jair Alexander going to be back? He seems to be a huge part of what the Packers want to be able to do on defense and can really, you know, shore up that secondary here. Uh, Both injury or both teams injury reports, though, are really extensive and not great and was a little overwhelming to look at here. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that. The first place Buccaneers, they might be without three of their top four defensive backs in this game. Uh, By the way, Rashad White, former ASU player, he's a good NFL player. Uh, He's a decent runner. He's a really good receiver. He's a tremendous pass blocker, so he's worked out well for Tampa. Meanwhile, short week for Green Bay after the Monday night game. You mentioned Love. He was badly inaccurate, really bad in general on Monday night. Made some awful decisions also in that game. Looked like the, the you know, kind of the September version with uh, Jordan Love. He did miss Christian Watson in that game. I'm not sure he's going to play this week either with the hamstring, which is now that's twice this year he's missed time with the same hamstring. Uh, Aaron Jones probably not going to play this week. Aaron Dill- AJ Dillon, excuse me, didn't practice Wednesday or Thursday. Uh, also, you mentioned the Alexander injury. Remember the Packers? They have a history of being very conservative with injuries, but we're getting towards the end of the year and they need to win these games. Uh, The Texans and the Titans here, Texans uh, plus three and a half Titans minus three and a half over under sitting at 36 and a half. My guess is that this line has moved like it has because CJ Stroud is still in concussion protocol, likely going to be a Davis Mills start. Also here, you know, what's the status on tank Dell? What's the status on Dalton Schultz? We saw, uh, well, there is no tank Dell. What is the status of Dalton Schultz? Then here, the question for the Titans, will they have a bit of a letdown here? after their big come-from-behind win on Monday Night Football. And for them, can Derrick Henry have some rushing success this week? Well, he's had more success against Houston than any team in the league in his career, but also the Houston defense, at least until now, has been better. They've got up to four starters who may not play in this game on defense. Uh, Schultz, Schultz is actually expected to play. He's practiced this week. However, in addition to Straub, You've got, you know, Will Anderson as part of the, one of the starters on defense. Nico Collins, they're his best receiver. Uh, in addition to Tank Dell, who, as you mentioned, is out for the year. On the other side, you know, Tennessee was a nice win for them, obviously. You know, Vrabel can still coach. <laughs> he, I thought he really outcoached McDaniel in that game on Monday night. They're still playing hard for him. Will Levis. Uh, did some good in that game against Miami, but don't forget the bad. He put them in danger of losing that game with just two horrendous plays, including the one touchdown on a play that uh, a pass that should have never been made. Jeffrey Simmons, best player on either of these teams, uh, didn't play last week for Tennessee, and it's uh, if he is going to play this week for Tennessee. The Jets, my uh, Jets plus nine and a half, Dolphins minus nine and a half, over under sitting at 37 and a half. Concerns for Tyreek's Hill, uh, Tyreek Hill's ankle. Uh, obviously, he has not practiced this week at this point in time. So, how does that uh, limit and really stall this offense? Another offensive line injury, losing their center for the Dolphins here. Prior to Monday Night Football, the Dolphins were 71.1% scoring touchdowns in the red zone. 
Also then flipping this to the Jets, Zach Wilson's performance last week. Does that mean anything? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, he had one good half, so I guess he's now a good quarterback. I'm not quite buying, quite buying that. I think the, the Jets' defensive line and their defense can cause some problems here. In addition to Hill, Achan has not practiced this week. Uh, plus 80% of their preferred starting offensive line out by the end of the game on Monday night because of injury. It's hard to back a Jets team with Zach Wilson or really any of the quarterbacks that they had really revolving after Rodgers' injury, but the way this Dolphins team is looking, nine and a half seems like too many points. Totally agree. I'm on, I'm on the Jets. I'm, you know, it's not going to get to 10. I guess I'm begging. If it goes to 10, I'm really on the Jets. We will continue with Friday Spread brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits with more Sunday action to kickstart our number one. That's coming up after the break.